Good evening and welcome to an all new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Mayhem. Tonight's episode comes to us straight from South Carolina. And unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard at least some of what I'll be talking about tonight. Because it's been going on for quite a while now. That's the Alex Murdoch case. I've been wanting to talk about this on here for a while, but I was trying to hold off until Murdoch was tried and sentenced. But more and more just keeps popping up surrounding him. So I think it's time. Plus, my mama's making me do it. No, not really. But she's been hanging on every word that comes out about it. And honestly, I should probably just let her do this episode because she knows more about it than I do. But I've been putting in some work, learning more about it. And tonight, I'm going to let y'all know everything that I've learned about this case up until this point in time. So let's get started. Are you not here to be my mayor? But for the Now, if you're not from the Southeast, you may not have ever heard of the Murdoch family, but it's a name that I can remember hearing over the years since I was a little kid. Now, the Murdochs, they're a prominent family of attorneys here in South Carolina, particularly the Low Country, and since 1920, three generations of their family have served as South Carolina. 14th Circuit solicitors, and what that means is that they're the top prosecutors representing Beaufort, Jasper, Hampton, Allendale, and Colleton counties. Kind of like what they call district attorneys, I think, in other states. Now, however, Alex was never a solicitor, but he was a lawyer in that family's law firm. Now, Alex, he was born as Richard, I believe Alexander was his middle name, Murdoch. He attended the University of South Carolina Law School. And while he was there, he played on the football team. And once he graduated, he practiced civil law. And at one point, he was a volunteer assistant solicitor under his father. He lived what was, by all accounts and appearances, a seemingly perfect life. He had money, cars, and I'm sure women at one time, you know, when probably his early college years. Um, and he split his time between 
the family estate and a beach home on Edisto. So life was good. Well, in August of 1993, Alex married his college sweetheart, Maggie. And together, the couple had two sons, Richard Jr., who somewhere along the line picked up the nickname Buster, which I believe was one of his grandfather's names. And then uh, he Buster has a little brother named Paul. And like I said, life was good. But that don't last forever, because, you know, we know that all good things must come to an end. And if the Murdoch name wasn't known by most, a downward spiraling of events would change all of that. All right, so fast forward a few years, and Alex's son, Paul, he's 19 years old. And on the night of February 23rd, 2019, Paul decides to take his friends out for a night of partying on the Beaufort River in the family boat. And when I say a night of partying, I'm talking about alcohol flowing freely for a boatload, I almost said buttload, but a boatload of underage kids. And on board the boat that night was Paul and his girlfriend, Morgan Doty, um, a couple named Miley Altman and Connor Cook, and a third couple named Mallory Beach and her boyfriend, Anthony Cook. And Anthony and Connor, they're cousins. And you might ask how all these kids, being underage, were able to obtain alcohol. They had no trouble getting fake IDs, and they even had a borrowed ID because Paul was using his brother Buster's ID to purchase alcohol. So, around 8 p.m. that night, they docked the boat at Paul Key Island for an oyster roast. I swear I can't talk today. And they stayed there until about midnight. During that time, it had grown dark and foggy. But the three couples set out on the boat for downtown Beaufort. And once they made it there, Paul and Connor went into a bar on the waterfront while the rest of the group decided to hang out at a nearby park. Well, those two stayed in the bar until about 1.15 a.m. and then rejoined their friends. And from there, this is where things took a very ugly turn. Now, some of the others who were on the boat that night said that Paul's behavior was horrifying. And it's been said that any time he was drunk, his behavior was very horrifying. And they even gave that personality that he had um, when he was drinking the nickname Timmy. And Timmy was coming out. Well, he was driving erratically, and he was doing donuts in the water with the boat. And at one point, Connor took over driving for a few minutes, but Paul took back control of the boat, saying it was his boat, and he slammed the throttle. So the boat was traveling at a pretty high rate of speed. Well, around 2.20 that morning, calls started coming into the 911 center there. The boat that had the three young couples that, you know, they had been riding on the river, that boat had slammed into a bridge near Paris Island on Archer's Creek. And everybody was accounted for except for Mallory Beach. Mallory Beach, she was nowhere to be found, and the group that had been with her was hysterical. Well, I should say the group, with the exception of Paul, but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, her boyfriend, Anthony, told the deputy who had arrived that Mallory was missing and Paul had been the one driving the boat when it crashed. He went on to tell the officer that Paul was the son of Alec Murdoch, kind of giving him the heads up that you're going to have a tough one with this because of who his family is. 
And as Anthony's talking to the police, he sees Paul approaching with a big old smile on his face. And so Anthony's, you know, here he is frantic because his girlfriend is missing. And here comes Paul walking up with his big old smile on his face. And so they had a verbal confrontation and the police had to end up breaking it up. But Paul had lost his phone, so he ended up using one of the EMT's phones. But he don't call his mom or dad. He calls his grandfather. And he tells him that he wasn't driving the boat. And he goes on to say that it was Connor who had been driving the boat. Well, y'all, I'm just sad to say that it would be eight days before Mallory was ever located. Um, Her body was finally recovered at a boat ramp five miles from where the crash had taken place. Now, can you imagine the horror that her family was going through when this search was going on for eight days? I just can't even fathom not knowing where my kid is for eight days and then finally finding, you know, that they're dead. But, um, anyway, back to the scene of, you know, of all this going on. Now, you know, the kids are taken to a hospital that's in the area and Alex Murdoch, he shows up and his behavior at the hospital was very questionable because at the hospital after the crash he was going from room to room where these kids were being treated for their injuries trying to talk to his son's friends and i'm from what i've gathered he was telling these kids you know or i guess he was trying to get them to all be on the same page about what they were going to tell the cops and there's been a lot of speculation that it was just to cover up what had happened so that Paul wouldn't get into trouble. Well, hospital staff, they had to stop him from entering the other kids' rooms. And get this, as Connor's being taken into surgery for a broken jaw and he had these horrible lacerations on his face, Alex is walking along as he's being pushed to the operating room, telling him not to say anything. As in, don't wrap my boy out. And in a deposition... Connor even stated that Alex had told him that he didn't have to tell anyone who had been driving the boat. Now, while Alex is walking around showing his ignorance, or I really don't want to say ignorance, but I guess his privilege, you know, um, his son Paul is raising hell in his room in the ER. And at the hospital, Paul's alcohol, uh, blood alcohol content level came in at 0.24, which is three times the legal limit. There's been some questions as to why there wasn't a field sobriety test done by any of the authorities who showed up on the scene of the accident. So it's quite possible that his blood alcohol content level had been even higher than that. And I guess Alice thought that the clout from his family's name was enough to pull a few strings so that his boy wouldn't be punished. But y'all, he was so wrong. He was so very wrong. And just in case you're wondering, because I had thought about this too, and then I later found out that they had, but the Murdochs did attend Mallory's funeral and her burial. So maybe that answers a question for you. But um, Mallory's family, they filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Murdoch family at the end of um, March. 
in 2019. And then three weeks later, on what would have been Mallory's 20th birthday, Paul was charged with boating under the influence resulting in death of Mallory Beach and serious bodily injuries to two of the other passengers, which are all felonies. But Paul pleaded not guilty to those charges. But y'all get this, Paul never even stuck a toe into the county jail. He was never placed in handcuffs. And his mug shot, it was taken in the hallway of the courthouse. And I'm kind of thinking that his, his family or his daddy had a little persuasion over him about pleading not guilty. That's just my speculation. But anyway, at the bond hearing, Paul was released on his own recognizance. And one of the conditions of his bond was that he was not to consume any alcohol. But guess who was caught on camera soon after his release at a bar in Columbia, South Carolina, throwing back shots? Yeah, if you guessed, Paul, you were right. Now, it also seems during this time period, Alex and Maggie were having some marital issues. Now, if you ask Murdoch's lawyer, uh, Dick Harpitlian, I believe is his name, he says, no, they were happy. But anyway, Francis noticed that she no longer was stopping by the law office to have lunch with Alex like she had done in the past. And others say that they never saw the two being like, affectionate with each other like a married couple would and like they say money is the root of all evil or at least it was the evil that caused the couple to have these marital issues so maggie went to a charity luncheon she had written a check while she was there but to her horror that check bounced Maggie had no idea there was any financial issues going on she had never had to worry about finances she never gave any thought to the family money or even where it came from. But after that check bounced, she started looking into some stuff. She started checking into some things. And she even questioned Alex about it several times. And he'd just tell her things like, you know, not to worry about it. Or he would figure it out or he would fix it. But apparently it was never fixed. Because sometime like around the end of April of 2021, which was just last year, Maggie visited a divorce attorney and on we're going to fast forward a month or two and this is going to be on June 7th 2021 so Alex contacted Maggie and asked her to meet him at their estate in Islington because his father's health was failing and she needed to see him before he passed away well at this time, Maggie was living at their beach house in Edisto, so she, you know, would have to take a little drive. Now, at first, you know, Maggie suggested that they meet at the hospital. You know, I mean, why would you meet at the house? But later, she did agree to meet at the estate. And even though she was suspicious of his intentions, and she had even texted those suspicions to her friend, telling that friend that, she felt Alex was up to something. Well, her suspicions were right. Now we won't win your emergency. This is Alex Murdoch at 4147 Moselle Road. I need the police to pass us immediately. My wife and child just got badly. Okay, you said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison? Sir? You said 4147 Moselle Road in Allison? Yes, sir. 4147 okay. Roselle Road. Stay on the line with me, okay? Hurry. 
Young sir, stay on the line with me, okay? Con Accounting Communications. I have an Alex Murdoch on the line, caller from 4147 Moselle Road. He's advising that his wife and child was shot. Okay, and sir, give me the address again. It's 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground out at my kennel. Okay, and did you see anyone? Okay, is he breathing at all? No. Is she? Okay, do you see anything? Do you see anyone in the area? No, ma'am. Oh, what color is your house on the outside? What color is your house on the outside? Uh, it's white. You can't see it from the road. Okay. Is it a house or a mobile home? It's a house. Okay. And what is your name? My name is Alex Murdoch. Okay. And did you hear anything or did you come home and find them? No, ma'am. I've been gone. I, I just came back. <laughs> Okay, and was anyone else supposed to be at your house? No, ma'am. Please hurry. We're getting somebody out there to you. Okay, what is her name? Maggie, Maggie and Paul. Maggie is her name? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And please hurry. Uh, we're getting somebody out there to you. Me asking you these questions don't slow them down, okay? And you sure they're not breathing? Is he moving at all, your son? I know you said that she was shot, but what about your son? <laughs> Nobody. They're not. Neither one of them moving. What is your telephone number? And does anything look out of place? Ma'am, I, I... Not, not particularly, really, no, ma'am. Okay. Are they close, ma'am? Yeah, they're, they've been in route with you ever since you've got on the phone with me. I have multiple people coming out there to you. Okay. I don't want you to touch them at all, okay? I don't I don't know if you've already touched them, but I don't, I don't want you to touch them just in case they can get any kind of evidence, okay? I, I already touched them trying to get a, um, to see if they were breathing. Okay. Well, I, I just don't want you to move anything just in case they can get any kind of evidence, okay? That was the 911 call that Alex Murdoch placed on that same night. Alex tells 911 operators that he found his wife and child shot very badly out by his dog kennels. And this really doesn't have anything to do with this case, but I guess it kind of does. But did you notice how he sounded offended when he answered the operator after she asked if the home was like a house or a trailer? 
that part tickled me like he was just like offended and his voice cracked how dare they think i live in a mobile home or as we call them here in the south a trailer i guess not everybody knew the murdoch name you know he tried his best to sound convincing that he had found his estranged wife and son shot to death near the dog kennels at the hunting lodge that the family owned now when the police arrived Alex told them he had found them out by his kennels when he came home from visiting his sick father. Now, one curious thing that I found, or that was found during the investigation, not that I found, I'm not on the investigation team. But anyway, um, but something that they found or during the uh, investigation or the autopsy was that Maggie had been shot with a semi-automatic rifle, but Paul had been shot with a shotgun. So, was that something done to throw off the authorities and make it look like there were two different shooters? Well, maybe. But these murders took place just three days before Paul was to appear in court on those charges he had collected for that boat accident. And to add to the tragedy, just a few days after Paul and Maggie were found deceased, Alex's father passed away at the age of 81. One thing I found odd was that there was no life insurance policies on neither Maggie or Paul. So that rules out the idea that maybe they were killed for insurance money. But it just struck me odd that there was just no insurance on them. Now, while Maggie's and Paul's murders were being investigated, information was found that pertained to another case in the area. But what that information was that was found it hasn't been released yet. But the case it relates to is the death of a 19-year-old who was found dead on July the 8th of 2015 on a lonely road in Hampton County in the middle of the night. And that 19-year-old was Stephen Smith, and his mother said that he had called his sister that night, telling her that he was out of gas and he was going to hide in the woods until he was sure that his sister was there. At first, it was revealed that the cause of death was a bullet wound to his head and it had been a homicide. That was quickly and mysteriously changed. The coroner's report then said that Stephen had died from blunt force trauma to the head, most likely caused by a mirror from a passing car. A law enforcement official from Hampton County, he's not satisfied with that being the cause of death. I watched... um, this three-part miniseries on Discovery Plus called The Murdoch Murders Deadly Dynasty. And he said that he's been doing his own investigating. And I wish I could remember that man's name, but right now it, that name escapes me. But he said he's been doing his own investigating, which has included searching the road that Stephen was killed on, and he could not find one piece of debris from a car. And it seems to me that if a mirror on a car hit someone hard enough to kill him, there would be at least a tiny piece of that mirror laying somewhere on that road. And Stephen's mom has never agreed that, this, you know, that what they're telling makes any sense. She says it just don't add up. And so far, no member of the Murdoch family has been implicated in this case. But like I said, some type of information was found about Stephen's case during the, that investigation into Maggie's and Paul's murders. And at that point, SLED, which is the state law enforcement division here in South Carolina, they opened an investigation into Stephen's death. 
Now, one thing I'd like to mention, though, is that WCSC reported that information received from the Highway Patrol's investigation into Stephen's death revealed that the Murdoch name was brought up many, many times in interviews with Stephen's family and friends. And of course, there's a lot of hearsay that has gone around about Stephen's death, and I don't usually include hearsay in my episodes, but I feel like it might be worth talking about because we might hear more about it later. Alex's oldest son was implicated by some of the people interviewed in the investigation into Stephen's death, but y'all get this. Others have said that Paul was involved and struck Stephen with a blunt object while riding by him as a passenger in a vehicle that night. Now, like I said, this part is pure speculation, but it's also been rumored that Buster and Stephen had at one time been in a relationship. None of the hearsay or speculation has been proven or verified as of right now. And so right now I'm just going to make sure to make it known that that all is just hearsay. So I know that was a lot that we've talked about so far, but there's still a lot more. But I want y'all to just settle down a little bit. Let's take a deep breath. And let's do a recap of what's happened so far in this little real-life soap opera. Alex's son, Paul, was charged with several felonies that stemmed from the boat accident that happened while he was under the influence of alcohol. At 19, or a 19-year-old woman, her name was Mallory Beach, she was the same age as Paul at that time of that boat accident. She was killed in the boat accident. Alex's wife, Maggie, she starts looking into their financial assets after a check balances that she had written at a charity luncheon. And we know that six weeks before she and Paul were found dead, she had talked to a divorce attorney. Then all of a sudden, Alex is calling 911 saying he had found his wife and son dead out by his dog kennels. And somewhere in the investigation of Maggie's and Paul's death information, we don't know what information, but information was found that has put a link to the Murdoch family to what is being called the hit-and-run death of Stephen Smith. And y'all, like I said, there's a lot more to it, but we're going to end it right here for tonight's episode. You'll have to come back next week to hear the rest of it. And it's honestly the stuff that movies and TV shows are made of. And I mean, for real, y'all, who would believe this type of stuff really happens? But unfortunately, it's a true story that's happening right here in South Carolina. Just when we think nothing else could happen in this real-life soap opera, more comes out. And that's what we're going to talk about on next week's episode. Okay, that's it for tonight. I know you probably hear the cats there saying goodnight. And y'all be sure to come back next week for the next part of the Days of Our Murdochs. And be sure to come back on Friday night for What the Friday. <laughs>